Rick Madison here with the Jeff Cox straight shooting, Jeff Cox transparent, forthright, one of those people. Uh, municipal election coming up. Is there uh, a leader, um, or let's let's back that up a bit. What kinds of uh, qualities do you want in a municipal leader? Uh, well, integrity, I think, is the first thing I look for in any politician. Honesty, yeah, yeah, those are good. <laughs> those are some, but so when we get past the standards, I think where we're in need of right now is vision. Somebody that can work with the province. Good luck with that right now with the current government in place. And 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 why is that important to you? I, well, because listen, we it would talk about this every week. Like we have uh, one bridge crossing, one one lake crossing, the yep. the, the bridge. Very good friend of mine is owns a business on the other side of that bridge, comes back across it every day, counter traffic, and is like, this is broken. I wouldn't disagree with you. Um, as soon as you get past the hospital heading into the mission on, it doesn't right. matter, where do you want to start? And we continue to build south, no thoroughfares, no ring roads. We currently have the highway, which divides the city and has a light every hundred meters. Like, Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's got to start talking about changes. So I was chatting with uh, Walter Gray uh, yesterday, just met him. He was going to an actor's studio production and, and we were chatting for a little bit. And and he's talking about these historical moments in, in Kelowna's history. And he says, isn't it interesting how the bridge was created? And he says the reason it they wanted to build it, well, the, the city wanted to build it bigger. But he says there's nowhere for the traffic to go. <laughs> So he says, you can have this this massive six lane, mm-hmm. everything's golden. But he said, the problem is there's nowhere for them to go. So there'll be a bottleneck on either side of that. But that's, it's just a short term solution. But again, that's small. And I'm, and I'm not, I'm not a civil engineer by any means, but that's such small, like, yeah, we're, I'm aware. So you've got to start looking other places. South, again, you know, when if you go to a place, I think I referenced this on our last show, you go to a place like Calgary, that when they build ring roads, and I've driven them and thought, no one's going to use this. And then a year later, I'm like, oh, somebody had some vision here. Like, yeah. you're talking about building a crossing in the Peachland, Rattlesnake Island, mm-hmm. connector, south of Cedar Creek that comes the backside of East Kelowna, like like I'm talking vision. I'm talking something that crosses north of where the current crossing is that that finds its way to UBC. Like mm-hmm. like Rick, these are you gotta have a big thinkers that have big ideas. So the issue can be, and this is something I've I've I, I get a, a little bit of a smile on my face when I see these visionaries that are trying to build, like say it's a light rail system, say it's another ring road, whatever it is. But people have this this thing about raising my taxes and the fact that I'm now inconvenienced going to work because there's construction building this. And isn't it funny that today's current populace, you can do that as long as it doesn't affect me in any way, even though in four or five years it will help you. But do not give me an extra 10 minutes to work. Do not do that. And and listen, a couple of things. I mean, this is provincial jurisdiction. So, so it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. There'll be some municipal, I'm sure there will be municipal play in this, but like a lot of this money should be funded from the province to do these things. Um, you know, as for the back half of your comments, which I fully agree with and, and go in every part of my life, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's, I want this, but I don't want the inconvenience of it. Like welcome to our society today. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I, I, that's just got to be ignored. It's, it's, I mean, we've got to start planning, generational planning. We've got to start talking about long-term um, changes for this city. And we got to start doing it now. And and building consensus with the the, the province is a is a key for sure. So I'm I'm reading on Kelowna now that uh, the there's more and more talk in the Parliament section about CRTC taking a larger role when it comes to online. In other words, monitoring. Now on on there's there's two sides to this. Now you and I or anybody that's that's listened would probably say, well, they're probably going to battle hard against you know freedom to freedom to express, I guess. But the other side of this, and this is something that was brought up to me, was there is a lot of of uh, angry people that are short sighted and and say very volatile things online. Should those be monitored? And, and, and is this a step in that direction or should we just kind of leave online as the community will monitor? It's a very tough question for me to answer. Um, it's extremely loaded and I, and I get it. So I have a real challenge with the CRTC for a lot of reasons. Don't love the liberal bill for a lot of reasons. I'm also very fatigued on people that hide behind keyboards and make comments about things they don't know or understand with no accountability. So you have a group um, that I that I agree with in certain areas that that are down paths of 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 things like uh, cryptocurrency and where that's going and 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 those kind of things that are that are adamant that that this is a this is a form of currency that should never be able to be tracked and and yada 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 and 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 part of the reason that it's so great is because of these reasons. Okay, I, I'm going to set that aside, but this typically is the same group that says. Pretty soon you're going to have to have a digital ID, and 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 the world's going to end. And I'm like, well, I don't want the government tracking me. I will agree with that, but I'm not sure that it's that big a deal um, if if you're above board, you know. Mm-hmm. But again, it goes back to it. If you're trying to organize a, a coup or an uprising, which which, in all honesty, after the last seven years, might be <laughs> might be justifiable. <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, it's a, it's a tough line. I, I, we have got to find out what, what that common ground is and how do we, um, how do, how, how can we monitor? Because mm-hmm. I have young kids that are, that, that are five to 10 years out and I, it, it scares the crap out of me that they can, what, what they'll be able to access online. So it, there are pieces of this that need that we have got some fundamental challenges ahead of us. We've got to figure out now. Do I think some of the things in the liberal bill are absolutely insane? Yeah, you bet. Am I tired of the CRC to CRTC protecting some of the special interest groups that they are? Yeah, it's ridiculous. You like paying your cell phone bill like nowhere else in the world. I'm no. We have third world countries that have that have. Of cell phone bills are the quarter of the cost of Canada. And we just have been told, well, it's, we're such a big landmass. That is such a load of crap, man. <laughs> you know, there's just, it's just, it's not, it's not, it's, this is muddy. But do I think that we need to have some changes for, for monitoring online? Yeah, I do. I don't know where they stop. But, but the other part of me thinks, you know, when my kids go online and I have a 13-year-old daughter and, and of course, uh, I'm protective, but there's, there's, there's gaps of time where I don't know what she's looking at, of course. And I do think that the parents have to play the role of account. You have to be accountable. It's like you, you, you have to have, and there, there is ways to create, you know, very safe zones on, on the internet. So you can actually have some peace of mind knowing, yep. okay, she's not going to go into a bad area. Yep. So there's that. Um, 
but no, I, I, I'm again, the, the freedom and the fact that we're losing, it seems like it's just being slowly, but surely pulling away. Um, that's well, the part that scares me the most. I the, think the fear is if you were to write an op-ed and that, I mean, this is the, this is, this is the extreme, but within the, the acts of that bill is to say, if you were to criticize them and they didn't like it, they can pull it down. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a fundamental issue with that. Do I want to be able to, do I think we should be putting resources and efforts and checks and balances in so that predatory nature does not happen? Yes. But do you, do you see the line there? It's easy to blur them, right? Mm-hmm. And and that to me is the concern. I think everybody's concerned with this bill is it's, it's, it's the ability to control what goes on and what we see. That is China. Mm-hmm. We are not China. And that, now, do I think that we should be looking at at measures. I mean, I mean, we had no problems locking and freezing the bank accounts of, of law-abiding citizens, and yet we seem to have a real struggle with predatory nature on the internet. Like, surely, surely we can get there without without creating a law that takes down an op-ed that might criticize something the government does. So, in the summer, I think those a lot of the veterans of the Freedom Rally are saying, "Yeah, we'll, we'll, we're just going to continue in Ottawa over the summer. Like, we're not stopping or anything." So, we've had a bit of inflation. Um, why, why does it seem though, that it favors, uh, the 1%, why it favors the the wealthy, those that have the assets, like, can you, can you help understand, uh, why it, it seems just so one-sided? Like there's, I, I know the food bank is getting more people needing the food bank every single month, yet there's certain people that have had their biggest months ever on record, uh, for, for sales. It it just seems to be there's that there's this gap widening between those that has and the have nots, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm just wondering if can you offer some explanation for that? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I I'm not an economist, but I mean, you know, the 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 question of why 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 does it why does it create the the divide? And I mean, well, it's exactly that. I mean, you have people that have asset and then you have people that do not have asset if you simplify it. And if everything is going up in cost, those assets also are rising in cost, which if, again, now that's not a, you know, so, so again, what that does is say, well, okay, so your house is going up in cost. You own a house and now it's going up in cost. Well, how, you could say, well, how does that help someone buy groceries? Well, it can help them buy groceries if they now have access to more credit, or 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 they ha- they they they've essentially have built more wealth, which gives them more money to spend. Um, as an example, um, where for me, you know, when you talk about inflation, yes, you can talk about the division. I I don't think that makes people that are really wealthy evil. I don't think they're part of. They have not been part of this problem. Um, the struggle with inflation is this kind of low to middle class income level that we could be helping if we removed some of the barriers. So when you would, when you tax essential goods, and for the record, gasoline is an essential good for most people. They need to get to and from work. They're not buying a Tesla tomorrow. Even if they could afford it, they can't find one. Mm-hmm. Um, that is an essential need for them to get to and from their jobs. Okay. When you tax uh, when you tax certain foods, this becomes essential 
to, to eat. Those are barriers that can be removed that help, you could argue, yes, they help all levels, including the people that are getting richer in this scenario, but they help a group of people not go underwater. And, and, and that, to me, is some of the biggest challenges right now. I mean, gasoline's easy to focus in on, but, but again, when you're talking about in the upwards of 75 cents a liter in save the environment tax, which for the record is such a load of crap, but, and again, it's not that I don't believe in climate change, it's just this idea that somehow taxing, taxing the lower and middle class 75 cents a liter is somehow gonna save the environment is just, it's outrageous. It's driving them into poverty. It's driving anyone that's in that group just tighter and tighter and tighter. Mm -hmm. the, 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 and then you, and then it's just the the domino effect that people seem to not understand is is that means that their kids don't play sports, as an example. And it, it may not be hockey. This could be things as simple as swimming. Their kids are not their kids are not swimming. They're not interacting with other children. They're not gaining a knowledge base. They're not staying active. Like. Like, what does that cause? Well, it causes us more issues on our healthcare system and our mental health system. It it creates obesity a, rates and everything. obesity rates. Mm -hmm. it, it creates a generation that doesn't develop like like the generation before them. Mm -hmm. They don't develop or they're not educated. It drives to crime. I mean, I mean, I get it. It sounds, but like that's the simian nature of this, right? Like, we again, uh, it's one thing to go out and say that you care about a, a, a group of people. But when your actions speak a lot different than your words, which is what's happening provincially and federally right now, they kind of go, is anyone going to wake up and go, this is not, we're not looking out for that, for that group? I, I wonder if, if the lot of people who hear, and I'm just thinking provincially, because the NDP has is, is long said, you know, we're, we're working for you, the, that, that family that's uh, struggling, we're going to go to the wall for you and we're going to help you. And then they turn around and they do various things that you can clearly see it is ironic that that even comes out of their mouth because, you know, through the through the pandemic, there were certain issues that came up that you're like, I, I really don't think you're on our side here. So part of me thinks, does does the majority of voters go, OK, when when election time rolls around, I'm actually going to make I want to make this right. Or do they just go because all you need is a few lofty promises going into an election of I will cover your dental, I will cover any of your basic, I'm going to cut taxes over here, your health care, we're going to, we're going to throw three billion into health. like, the, there has to be some sort of window where you can't make those outrageous promises, I hope. You, you would you would think so and hope so. I, I think provincially, the one that stands out for me was was affordable housing. Right? Oh. You know, and I, and I'm, you know, we're in our second term oh, of the NDP yeah. government, yeah. Um, and they were going to make housing affordable. Housing's up arguably seventy five percent since since they came into power. It's probably the largest jump for any government in in my memory, right? For for one government in, in power. So, like, where that's what I want to question is like, well, hang on a second, you ran on affordable housing. And the, the pricing, the, 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 we're, we're essentially in a housing crisis. Oh, well, it's not out of our control. Whoa, whoa, whoa hang on. That's what you told me you're going to fix. I didn't know there were outside factors. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe it shouldn't have been so simplistic of a platform to run it. I mean, that, that, what it does is it makes an outright lie, mm -hmm. right? So where's the accountability to that? Hang on. Are you saying politicians lie? <laughs> 
Listen, there is there is good politics. Like, not every. I mean, that's the problem. I get on here and I'm like I paint everybody in the same. There are great politicians <laughs> out there. Some in parties that I that I that I don't believe in. Yeah, easier to say now, um, based based on uh, based on some history and 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 that he's not here. Jack Layton was a great politician. He was. He was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I have no problem saying that. Jack Layton was a very good politician. I think he had the best interest. How convenient he's dead, oh, Jeff. <laughs> That's what I was getting to. Thanks, Rick. Is there a country that you think is doing a very good job, given inflationary pressures, given, uh, you know, just various things, the Ukraine conflict, obviously, with the the food prices getting out of hand, and they just seem to be calm at the wheel and they just seem to be navigating a lot of these uh, external pressures very well is there a country that comes to mind for you uh sincere i mean i think it's be honest i don't know i don't because i'm listen it's easy to look at a study and say oh somebody's doing it. if you're not in australia or you're not in new zealand or or you're not in another democracy you don't know because i'm sure somebody over there was listening they'd go you guys you guys don't get it right like <laughs> You know, because I again, a lot of people say that about Canada, right? I mean, yeah, you travel internationally. I mean, we've done a lot less of it recently, but but they look at us and go, "Oh, everything's perfect there," and you're like, "You have no idea, right?" Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm not sure um, that anyone is 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 doing it correctly. I think if you bring it home, we have the ability to resolve a lot of the supply chain management problems by taking Canada First policy. So we have the resources here to solve Canada First policy. So you're saying don't cap Western energy and, and don't continue to uncap foreign oil. That's what you're saying. There's one, food, <laughs> fertilizer. I mean, I mean, that's the part, Rick, that's amazing is like, is like, yeah, and the energy one I love to, I mean, I mean, Russia is the second largest importer of oil into the US, right? Joe Biden shut down Keystone, XL Keystone or whatever. Mm-hmm. He did. First, first order of business for him, actually. Right. Yeah. right. Buying imported oil from Russia. You know, I, and, and again, um, if you want to go deeper on that, specifically on that, I, I don't know if you're a golf fan at all, but um, Phil Mickelson, and I'm, I'm not like a diehard Phil guy. I think he's, he's an interesting, he, some interesting folk. Taking a bunch of heat right now about getting into bed with the Saudis. Yeah. Okay. And blood money and how dare you and Jamal Khosh, which I agree with all those comments. We import a hundred million dollars of oil from Saudi a month. Yeah. Blood is on our hands too. So if you want to point to a pro sports player that did what was in his best interest for him and his family, at least that's his perception, mm-hmm. then you better start looking around. So I, I, I don't know how anyone can make that comment about Phil and not make that comment of the government of Canada. Well, and, and you know, when I when I heard that, that they were attacking Phil, and again, I'm, I'm not a huge Phil Mickelson fan. Like, I mean, I, I know in the locker room he's known as Fig Jam. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Just ask me. Um, but that all being said... You know, they're, they're, they're trying to, I, I think it was a PGA reporter that asked him that question. There's blood on your hands if you're even going, <laughs> like, honestly, I'm sure the PGA says, ask him this question and have the camera on. Um, but a lot of corporations, you know, they, they are not exactly free of any ill doing, like, let's face it. So the further you want to dig, I'm sure somebody has some skeletons for sure. Not to say that that Phil should not be aware of that. And, and you know, from an optics point of view, it's probably not great for Phil. But I do think that they're going a little bit far on a guy that's just trying to cash in on guaranteed money 
Um, and they're probably saying, Phil, like you're one of the best golfers that's ever played. If we got you, we're going to pay you this much. You're going to be the centerpiece for this. I mean, you're going to play to a, a sports guy's ego. You're probably going to get them because you're throwing cash at it too. Yeah. And, and, you know, so back to your question, is anyone doing it better uh, or, or, or navigating the waters? There mm -hmm. are some, there are some definite case studies out there for sure. But I would go back to the fact Canada as a country can actually solve a ton of the world's uh, supply management problems if we start today. Oil is an easy one. I think very valid to point that out. But but food is another one. Mm -hmm. um, um, chemicals are are yet another. Precious metals are yet another. These are resources that we are rich in. We're limitless in, uh, arguably, and and we have red taped the crap out of them to the point where we can't move quick enough to fill and backfill supply chain. Let alone the fact that we still import oil from Saudi, Russia. Many other places as an example that you used, which which we, we could turn off tomorrow. I think that if this conversation ever turns into a podcast, I think this is going to be Mr. Trudeau's one of his favorites. Like, I think he's going to put on his headphones, his Bose noise canceling, and he's going to listen to this as he loves it. He's an egomaniac. But anyway, enough. <laughs> We were chatting about uh, RCMP versus municipal, and, and, and you and I have had various uh, conversations about this. Um, we, we, of course, and I, I believe I'm speaking for you, we believe the RCMP is doing the best they can given the legal system. Yep, but, totally agree. but as we get further, as, as the issues of Kelowna get more complex, as they grow in size, like, I mean, we are a fast-growing mm -hmm. Uh, entity, and I think we're just getting bigger and bigger. We have bigger towers coming in. We have, uh, well, anyway, there's a lot of pressures on us. When when do you start to go? Wait a second. I think I think a municipal force may or may not make a lot of sense, given given the complexities with Kelowna. And I'm not saying RCMP is bad. I'm just saying, uh, you know, we have to actually have that con conversation. Uh, now I and but but that you know it, again you know we 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 talked about this today so it, I'm not against municipal police force in fact I think the decentralization of police has been proven to have as many pros as it does cons um, throughout not just Canada but but even in North America I mean decentralizing police is not a bad thing and I think it would allow us to move faster and adapt and and, and create programs. That was not the conversation last week. The conversation or the way it's been spun by, by, by the group that's pushing for provincial police forces that the RCMP is broken. And that I just fundamentally don't believe. I don't think we have given the RCMP the ability to do their job. Do I support a municipal police force? Yeah, I do. And, and again, it's not, we would not be an outlier. Vancouver has a municipal police force. Abbotsford has a municipal police force. Surrey... Uh, is moving to a municipal police force. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you followed Doug Callum and his disastrous car. But anyway, that, that's... Now, listen, Nelson. Nelson, British Columbia, has a municipal police force. Calgary, go across country, you get into, again, the OPP and, 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 then, and then municipal police forces that exist in Ontario. This is not a new topic, and we are probably poised to do it. But again, we've got to stop this mentality of, of, of it's one or the other. Like, like, the RCMP has to play a role because they've got to police from our border to to the next town. Um, they've got to share data. They've got to share information. So, 
again, I, I think what's going on in Surrey is, is the exact model for how not to do it. Um, or in Lethbridge. Lethbridge was another disaster. Yeah. Just taking down a stormtrooper outside of a collector card store. It, it, it's a fun YouTube video if you want to check it out. Um, but the other the other part of this that you know I think it's lost in the cards is is that conversation you talked about, like having them at the table and say how how could this work? Is this you know um, can can we do this? Is this something we need to work towards? Because I know. There is different um, departments and, and various sections of, of the RCMP that I, I think should stay intact. And, and there's some serious crimes unit. Uh, my cousin actually works in Edmonton on on some, a lot of times we can't even talk about his work, what he's working on. Yep. So there's there's different entities. And, and I think on the municipal level, I grew up in Tabor, Alberta, where we had our own municipal police force. Right. We knew them by name. Yep. And they knew me by name. Because, well, I, I had a very spirited childhood. So, um, so but it, they all were good people. Like, they were all trying to help. But, but that is community policing, Rick. And that's, and that's, if we knew police officers by name, we would actually have more empathy for them. Like, like this, is not, this is just very basic psychological um, um, challenges we're having right now that that we can we can bridge is if you do create a municipal police force and you do have community police uh police presence that that is not transient that that which the rcmpr which again it's not broken they're they're it the model's designed that way for a reason but if you look to municipal police force yeah constable joe you know and when he goes by you wave like we don't have that today those are pros of a municipal police force or they can be pros of a municipal police force i don't think the, the Kelowna municipal police will have the feel of Tabor, but but uh, they're they're it would give us the ability to react and respond to some of the challenges that are going on in the city. Because I believe, and I don't know this for sure, I haven't heard, but I, I would assume that Kara's hands are tied in a lot of places right now. And and that, you know, again, we're red taping it right up, right up the chain, right? Mm-hmm. How long to make a decision, right? Why can't they just have a meeting in an afternoon and get it done with the city? Well, because it's, that's not the way we're working. Oh, no. No, I, I think uh, our... Our uh, chief would would probably jump right on board with saying, "There's certain things that I'd like to do that I can't do, and that's based on our legal system." So we've covered, I mean, soup to nuts here. We, we've we've done a lot already, but I want to just back it up a little bit. Um, Adam Hanwood. Okay, so depending on when this this you know interview actually uh, airs, but in the interest of dating ourselves. Um, He's leading the U.S. Open. Now, this, again, could change. Uh, but w- what do you think about a BC boy U.S. Open coming out of the, the woodwork and, and leading the U.S. Open? Yeah, it's phenomenal. Sniffs of sniffs of Mike Weir, who... Weir is he? Oh, what a good guy, was, good Canadian kid. Was in, the, was in it till he shot 81 uh, <laughs> on Sunday. But 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 again, argument. I mean, I mean, he talked about having to fight his way to tee boxes. He was playing with Tiger that day, right? If you go yeah. if you go back and um, obviously to see Adam uh, have success on the PGA Tour, actually had a hole in one last weekend or the weekend before. Um, you know, he's he's constantly there. Corey Connors constantly there. I mean, those two alone, um, let alone Mackenzie Hughes, but but. But those two, and you can throw McKenzie, some of the some of the best ball strikers on tour. So um, Corey Connors for sure. Adam not far behind him. Um, so it does not surprise me that 
that he's having success um, uh, at the U.S. Open. Um, I, th- I don't think he was. I don't think he's leading anymore. He was leading this morning, uh, and again, depending on when this airs, but um, but uh, he he did come. He did he did get pulled back a little bit. But again, just he's there. Abbotsford, Abbotsford played a ledge view. Um, you know, I mean, we do produce some very in 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 sports. We do produce some great athletes on stages that we don't typically dominate. Does it behoove us to to have a, a government program like Own the Podium was one of them where we supported Olympic athletes and we actually threw money at it and tried to make sure that they actually had a chance because there's training regiments. There's a lot of things that go into being a professional athlete. But do you think this is a is a role perhaps for for government to say, listen, we're getting a lot of attention in our golf programs. It could actually help our our nation. It could help people feel better about themselves. <laughs> like I, I, I don't know the ends to that, but I'm just wondering, is that even something that should be discussed is, hey, we're getting some moderate success by people that have invested in this. Uh, should they get on board? So in the U.S., um, they are huge proponents of municipal golf. So some of the some of the best golf courses in the world are public golf courses. Uh, Torrey Pines is probably probably the example most people know in San Diego. If you live in the if you live in the vicinity of Torrey Pines with a with a with a with a San Diego um, ID, I don't know what it is today, but 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 not too long ago it was twenty four dollars to play, and you showed up and you put your ball in the slot and and off you went. That exists all over the U.S. Great golf courses, not so great golf courses. It's not considered an elitist uh, sport down there, like we have we have we have painted it to be here. Um, almost every city has or invests in a golf course. Um, it doesn't have to make exorbitant amounts of money. It also doesn't have to lose money. You can find that happy medium. You know, for places where they build great golf courses, Chambers Bay, which has also hosted the U.S. Open in, in just outside Seattle, is a municipal golf course. If you want to play Chambers Bay, it's $300 U.S. If you're a local, it's, again, $16. It's, mm-hmm. it's, there are ways um, to support the game, which I would love to see us do, uh, especially in this valley. We have very limited access to golf in this valley for most people. Um, it's at a cost. We are actually pulling golf courses away daily uh, in this valley to build houses and apartments and other things, which I could argue are just as important. But but if we're going to support parks, why not support a park where people go and 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 hit a ball and you charge them to go, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's again, if we can get away from this idea that that golf has to be uppity, and 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 again, the U.S. has done a phenomenal job in the first tee program. Uh, I will give Augusta National credit because it was not too long ago, Hootie Johnson stood up and said, you know, we open this golf course to the world once a year and we'll close it if you threaten our. And today. You know they don't. They have um, they have women members, which they didn't not too mm-hmm. long ago. They've adapted and ensured that they they have people of color in their club, some that are women and people of color, and then they've created their own program um, to support golf. There are there are ways to to grow the game here. Is, is there any other better example of an old boys club than Augusta? <laughs> Honestly, uh, Lisa Rice would would would. Would disagree with you now, I think. But. Um, but the interesting thing about about what you're saying is, you know, it's it's low low barrier of access is is really what we're talking about now. On the flip side, I know uh, some golf pros will, will be yelling into their uh, 
the radio systems right now saying, wait a second, what about that young uh, golfers program that we installed uh, a few years back? So it was $500. You have to be under the age of, I think it was 18. And you had a lower price uh, for a bunch of courses that are really good courses. So they did do that. Now, um, my son is now 18, so he can't take advantage of that. I don't know if that program is still around, but you know, there, there is definitely things to do. And, and I know that kids that are dropped off to a golf course in the morning over the summer, because let's face it, it's not a bad way to spend your day. Um, and they golf like 72 holes and they come back and they're tanned and they had a great day and, and just had a blast. And $3 hot dog. And yeah, yeah. I, that, and that's what, listen, we, it's not to say we're not doing anything. I think we are, but, but I, I think there's barriers that can be broken down. If mm-hmm. Kelowna owned a municipal golf club and has had tons of opportunity to do it, um, what a place to start. Mm-hmm. It does not have to be 7,500 yards and, and, and attract a Canadian Open. We could just start with one and see how it goes. Okay, well, Mission, uh, I think Mission Creek would be a good one. Uh, Michael Brook, I think, is up for sale, is, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But can you imagine the pushback if, if council said we're buying a golf course? Holy... <laughs> But again, wrong mentality, you know, and and it's just people that are not open-minded to the fact that like these programs work in other parts of the world and they've had success. They work there, Jeff, not here. Yeah, well. You take your, your highfalutin ideas. (laughs) Okay, let's, let's, uh, let's just breathe a little bit here. Um, Always curious on, on this question. Is there something about you that most people would not know that, uh, that Jeff Cox, like, is there something that people, oh, I didn't know you you did that. Now, keep in mind, I was chatting with a, a friend. He was on the, the big show here, Ralph Livingston. And he says, well, I won the biggest pumpkin grown at the Armstrong Fair two years. Not in a row. He was usurped one year, but he came back strong with a 308-pound behemoth. So have you grown any pumpkins or is there any? I got, okay, stuff? here's the deal. I got a fun one. And I got a serious one. Okay. Let's okay. go fun. Let's go fun. Okay. Wednesday, last time we talked about golf. Wednesday, yep. I got a hole in one. Come on. Yeah, I did. Did. Did you have to buy drinks for the whole clubhouse or something? I like did. that is, did you? It's, I won't get into the story. It's insured. Hard to okay. believe. Well, I, I would, uh, I do appreciate texts uh, from you saying I, I got a hole in one. Because okay. I would, I would crash my car getting to that clubhouse. So, Here's the second part of it. Uh-huh. It's the second time I've got a hole in one on that hole. And the first time I got a hole in one on that hole, I won a car. Whoa. So I have had two hole in ones on the 13th hole at the Cologne Golf and Country Club. The first time was about nine years ago. I won a car in the Walter Gretzky CNIB. I won an Audi. And then Wednesday, I hit a bad eight iron with cut spin <laughs> that hopped off the front of the green and disappeared. Mike Milan literally, he was like, that seriously did not go in. And I'm like, I think it did. <laughs> He's like, you got to be kidding me. It was an awful golf shot. Two hole ones, 13th hole at Cologne Club. One of them, I won a car. There's there's a stat. That's crazy, people. though. Good yeah. for you. Because I I mean, I've never wanted a hole in one. That's why I've never got one. But uh, that's huge. Because I've had some near misses, but yeah. never yeah. but never aimed her, you know, right in the old cupperoo. I don't even like that hole. That's the odd thing. It's a tough golf hole. Yeah, but if you close your eyes and swing, good things happen. Yeah, apparently. Like I said, even good things happen to bad people. So, 
Two whole ones, Rick. That's my that's my fun one. That's a good one. Okay, and and the the not fun one. No, I would say it's not fun. It's just more serious. I okay, okay, okay. And I don't, and I, this is not one that I would talk about on a very regular basis. But I'm going to do it in this because it leads into a little bit of my about why I have certain opinions about things. But I I haven't had a drink in 15 years, so I quit drinking. When I was 26 years old, and uh, a lot of people a lot of people don't know that. But I'm not public about it. But I don't have anything to hide. I just decided at 26 that. Couldn't keep going down the path I'm going on, mm-hmm. and here I am. So, well, and and I do think, um, as someone who doesn't buy, I am I am buy. I was lucky enough, um, not to say I've never been intoxicated, but I've I've had a switch which has been saved me a numerous times. I actually worked in a in a pub you know, during the college years, which is probably the the most fertile ground ever. But I have a button which is. I just get to the point where the body goes, if you want to continue, my friend, uh, at your own peril. And it, and it literally, I can, I can sense it. And I'm like, it's, it's literally a sip later. I'm like, whew, okay, there it is. And, and it's literally, if you want, we got it. Like we will, we will send you into the abyss tomorrow and you will not. And, but there's a pivotal moment. And I get that. I do enjoy, uh, a beer after hockey mm-hmm. it, it, it and i'm not even sure if the hockey is important or just like the the lines are blurred but but a lot of my buddies it's like we we went to war together now let's have a beer and and that's really how it you know it's a social thing but yeah, yeah and i don't disagree and um and i don't miss it at all although i recognize that 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 was it it's just for me i don't think i had that off switch and it's apparent throughout my life i mean listen i'm t- i'm intense <laughs> we, oh no identified that. that's why you're on the big show <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's how it was then too, is I just, you know, when, when, when I got, when I get into something, it's full tilt and, and apparently that's where it's at. And, and just for me, I hit a stage where I just went, I don't, I was just not finding myself comfortable with, with, with um, where was that? But just, and removing it, removing it's made a significant difference in my life. I mean, I don't, honestly, it's been so long. I don't remember, it's 15 plus years. So I don't, I don't. Like by that point, it's just, it's, it's not, you only have, you only have snippets, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, but I just know it was not, it, I just hit a stage where I just couldn't do it anymore. And, and I'm glad I did. Cause I, you know, I don't know that I would be or have had the opportunity that I've had in life if, if I didn't. I, I will use a line that a friend of mine who, who is 30 years sober and he, he says this line and, and it's a really, it's a nice way to say, I, I do not want to drink, but he says, no, I, I'm, I'm good. I won't have a drink. And they're like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I used to drink. And he says, I haven't had a drop in about 30 years, but I would still say my daily average is still pretty strong. <laughs> so if you want to use that one, you can. I always, mine is, is better this time of year, starting in about October, it, I think you get looked at, but so I always wouldn't, you know, even this week, some, you know, the server was like, you know, here's the beer specials, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, and I'm like, I'll have a Diet Coke. And she's like, oh, no, not a gram. I gotta be home for Christmas. And they kind of laugh. <laughs> By November, they're kind of like, what? But now it works. So I don't know. I just, I'm gonna, when can you, June still works. So. So as I mentioned, I was speaking with Walter Gray, just happened to run into him. Uh, he was walking his dog, trying to get the dog to pee before he went into uh, the actor's studio for a play. But what was interesting about Walter is uh, I, I'm 
you know, full disclosure, I've, I've known him for years. I've uh, had, you know, friendly conversations with him. I've had political conversations with him. Sharp as attack. And, uh, and somebody that fundamentally changed, um, you know, probably one of the best consensus builders that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, and Ramatusi uh, also said the same thing. He says, Walter was a very good at bringing people into the, uh, the scope of a conversation, never owning an idea, but just wanted the best idea coming out of that. And yeah. his, his ego was never attached to who he was. Um, why, why is that such a, a wonderful trait to have is, is just that, that lack of ego. And, 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 and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, disparage anybody currently sitting or anything else. I'm just talking about a man I, I ran into and I'm, I'm just kind of like going, wow, like it's been so long since I chatted with him, but he was, he was just doing the job for a passion. Like you could tell. Yeah. I think when you get an ego out of the way, it gets people, it, it allows other people to soften. Right. So, mm-hmm. so when, when you have somebody that, that, that appears to be, to be getting their ego out of the way, it doesn't mean that, you know, there's such a, you know, the difference between having self-confidence and having an ego. I mean, there are, there are, there are other ends of the spectrum. I think that's the thing about Walter. He had the confidence to do it without the ego. I think it allows you to become the mediator um, for situations. And it doesn't mean always bad, but, but to your point, I mean, he was almost a deal maker in that sense, right? He could get the, he could get the parties that were needed to the table and, and resolve it. And I think a lot of things never hit the media because Walter was able to do that. And he's a little bit before my time, um, to be sincere. I was, I was, not that I was obviously around, I was around for, I was around for, for, for Mayor Stewart as well, but I'm just saying, like, I wasn't totally engaged in, in, in municipal politics when Walter was, was, was running rampant. I think that's it though. I, I believe Walter just without having an ego allows people to start talking and having open conversation. And, and, you know, when you, as an example, cause I've had conversations with him, he, he almost pulls it out of you. Right. And, yeah, he does. and again, that's, that's, that's a, you know, you know, part of the deal. Right. <laughs> now, now the question is, and this is uh, something that, you know, I've advocated for, but when we talk about removing the ego and, and, uh, and males, particularly, uh, have have some problem with that. Mm-hmm. Is a is a is a female going to be instinctively better? Like, do you think that there's going to be a, a better chance of of them removing their ego and and maybe taking that leadership position? Like, asking the question. Yeah, too much of a generalization for me. You know, if I if I and I'm sincere about this, like, I'm going to use an example in 2015. Somebody, somebody asked the question in the media, Justin Trudeau, why is 50% of your cabinet women? And he said, because it's 2015. The right answer is because they're the right people for the job. Yeah. It's not because of their, their sex or, or, or their sexual orientation or whatever. It's because they're the right person for their job. As a generalization, could have, could have, you know, do females have smaller egos than than males maybe I don't, I don't know i don't know how you measure that like to me it's right person for the job if we we're talking here municipally about changes uh that would drive the right person to the job i would suggest pay is probably the first place we need to start you think they should be paid more i i i do based on based on i i really do i but i think there's another part to this is 
can we not and 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 I would disagree with me if you disagree, disagree with me. But oh, I do will. you not believe council is 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 a full is arguably a full time job or at least more than Mondays? I mean, this is a this is a this is a major center now that really really is burned into Penticton. Like, don't get me wrong. I know it's not. I know, it, but like, no, no. You 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 bring up an interesting point. So my uh, my father was a CAO consultant in uh, municipal affairs for all of my life. So around the dinner table, we talked about this all the time. And and one time salary came up and he said, it it can be a very dangerous proposition if that turns into a full-time job or a full-time pay. And the only reason is, he said, you start making decisions based on you holding that seat because that is your sole source of income, mm-hmm. and which is a very important point. Now, on the flip side, my <laughs> this same father with sage wisdom said uh rick if you ever considered running for council you need to go all in so that means all the committee work every single subcommittee everything that you can possibly get your butt on you get it because you need to be invested in that position i said well uh, well one like you can't do everything i have a full-time job and i can't run a council seat and go on all the committees and Andre Blonley has said numerous times, like he was very, very, um, I, I guess the word would be, he would, he wouldn't do everything. He would not jump on a committee if he felt like my best use of my time is going to be on council. So yeah. he would, he would pick and choose and he'd go, I can't do that. I can do this. And, and he I mean, was very good at that. And it is a slippery slope. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I, you got to be careful um, not to make it, you know, you're right, that, 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 that the decisions are not based on money. That being said, if you're accountable to your constituents and you do what's in the, the best interest of the constituents, then, 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 that, then, then the compensation would take care of itself, right? You wouldn't be making decisions mm-hmm. based on money. If you make decisions in the best interest of your constituents, you're going to get reelected. I'm, I'm just not sure that this city can live under the merits of, of, of having counselors in chambers one, you know, every Monday. And for, again, I don't know what the exact number is, but not 52 weeks a year. I mean, I mean, you and I both know and have known, um, people in those seats, you know, Dre being one of them, um, Brad being another, uh, in my circle that I talk to on a regular basis, I know the pressures that they face and the challenges. No one, no one wants, and I shouldn't say that, I would not do that job for that. I mean, you got to have a, you got to have, I I mean, I shouldn't say I would do that job because I, I just, but like based on the challenges and the pressures that they have, I wouldn't be able to continue doing the business that I'm doing, which is how I pay my bills. So I'm like, eh. Well, you'd have to recuse yourself just about every other time. Right. Yeah. And and so to be committed, I think it's got to be a full-time job. Now, 20 years ago, was it a full-time? I doubt it. But today, do I think we should have a Full standing council, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just saying, I think there's something there. I, I'm not sure it's just black or white. Just pay more money. It's not that. It's just, I don't think, I think we've gr- outgrown today's model is what I, what I would suggest. Uh, good news story. Three Rockets invited to Team Canada training camp. Uh, Colton Doc, uh, Andrew Crystal, and Caden Price are three of the 88 players invited to the under 18 and national junior team selection camps. How are we doing with the Rockets? It, you know what? I, I know the Hamiltons, um, great hockey family, but it seems like the community every single year 
there's less people in the stands. And we're putting, they're putting a great product on the ice. Like some of the games are just the energy. They're finishing checks. Like we're winning most of the games. We're not, we're not in this horrible basement dwelling team like some communities have. Like we have a great team year after year, but we just can't seem to get the fans there. Yeah, I mean, and I, because I think it's two separate issues. And so, so the first challenge or first issue or the, your first comment, I'm, I'm with you. Without, I don't know if they need to blow smoke Bruce's way, but, but honestly, if you watch the playoffs, I made this comment a week or two ago. Well, it was when Edmonton was playing Calgary, uh, and then when Edmonton was playing um, Colorado, Bruce produces hockey players. You know, if you if you are 15 or 16 years old and you have a you have a talent or skill set that's gonna that's that's getting you to sniff the Western Hockey League, I'd be wanting to play for Bruce. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. the list is long, longer than anywhere else in the West Coast for sure. You can get in the London Knights and and a few others that have that. I mean, these are establishments in Southern Ontario, um, but there's no question. You know, nobody produces specifically D-men. Oh, D-men, jeez, D-men. the list is long. It's long, yeah. But hockey players, you know, and hockey players that are playing at a high skill level, and and Hockey Canada knows that. That's why Bruce is involved at at multiple levels. That to me is separate, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of data that says, especially in amateur sports, not 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 true professional sports, and this is semi what they would call semi pro, but even in semi pro, um, um, there's a study about AAA baseball uh, and what attracts fans to AAA baseball, and and this same this they believe the same mechanisms apply to major junior hockey in Canada, that what is happening on the ice actually has nothing to do with filling the stands, mm-hmm. um, so. That leads to the question, and this has been on the docket the last little bit too, about about our rink. That you know what is is you know coming up on coming up on thirty. It'll be thirty years old by the time the city takes it over. I was in there on the weekend for Cirque, and and again, I'm not talking. I'm not. I'm not talking about what GSL does or does doesn't do. What the city doesn't do. What I realized because it's been a while since I've been in the rink is that rink's thirty years old. And the con the concourse is not the size it should be, and and you know you can't walk around the downstairs concourse, let alone the upstairs concourse. And again, that's not that's no one's fault. It's it's an aged building that was built when I was a teenager, and I'm not a teenager anymore. And and I think um, that's probably part of it. Um, is is that is that it's a lifespan. When when Bruce moved here uh, in 1995 or six, they played a memorial for a couple of years. The intent was to build the building. Um, it's seen its it's seen its run. We should have been planning the next iteration, probably five to seven years ago. What are we going to do for a rink for for to attract things? Uh, we should have started that conversation. It, it, but didn't it seem it came to a head like sh- almost? I don't know. I'm going to say a month ago. Where I'm not exactly sure if that was the timeline, but publicly it seemed like it really, it really festered and grew yeah, in the last but, month. But but what I'm saying is like, listen, I'm I I get what happened, and I know I know we know we know what happened, and I and I've said this on other forums to say to me it falls in the city, like like one you know GSL owns that rink, they do developments in the city all over the place, they, they have a ton of holdings here. Um, um, I, I, you know, again, in the staff that I deal with on a regular basis, pretty realistic and good people. Um, they, they, they have made investments in the city, but they also own 
competing team with Bruce. So like, so again, where I think the city has 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 really let the community down and let Bruce down and let GSL down is they should have been the intermediary to say, and I don't know, this could go back to the start of this deal is, these were what needs to be done to keep this rink up to speed. That should have never been aired publicly. And and again, it was, it was no, you're wrong, for me and you, or for me anyway, it's a big check to cut what they needed to get that done. But like the upgrades to the entire rink are $7 million. But part of me goes, and, and this is just putting on my uh, <laughs> taxpayer hat, if, if only a certain percentage of people actually use that arena. So in other words, they're not Rockets fans. They don't go to concerts. They don't do go to venue. Like what kind of, of play can you say to them saying, no, you need to invest in this, this entity. Um, we need to raise your taxes because this is a, an ongoing lingering issue that we need to address. Like what do you say to those people that may or may not ever step foot anywhere near that place? Too bad. No, no. And listen, I'm going to finish that. No, I'm serious. And here's why. Because I paid municipal taxes and paid municipal taxes for for 20 years. I bought my first house 20, 20 years ago, okay? When I look at my municipal tax breakdown, none of it applies to me, okay? I don't, and again, I don't use, I don't use a lot of the city facilities, but that's part of a city, okay? Having city park is part of a city. I don't play basketball at city park. You know what I mean? That'd be embarrassing. I don't swim at the Parkinson Rec. Creation center, but I recognize as a taxpayer these are parts of society they need to support, and I would put a rink in that in that bracket, mm. right? So, so there are lots of things. I haven't had a kid in school. Still don't have a kid in school. I pay I pay taxes. I don't go to the hospital on a regular basis. <laughs> knock on wood. Okay, so I mean I don't like like that. That's what I mean. Too bad. This is the reality. Is of a, a, a facility of that nature can be tracked back to Roman times. It's called the Colosseum, right? This is part of society, is to have a place where people congregate and meet and do shows and play hockey in today's world in Canada. It's not a, it's, it's, if you're gonna have that argument, well, then you're gonna open a big can of worms. Can I tell you a lot of things in this city I don't use? Uh, we have some land around here. Uh, it's called ALR, Agricultural <laughs> Land Reserve. You just told me at the break to keep this short. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And that's the topic you bring up? Yeah. Well, I just want to see if you can condense your thoughts. You know, super succinct. Okay. Um, I'm driving along. I, I played uh, played a game of golf and I'm driving home along Swamp Road. Beautiful night. Open the sunroof and, uh, well, beautiful for this spring. And, you know, there's the green. Like, it's so lush right now. And, and I'm just feeling wow, do I ever, ever live in a spectacular place? Yep. And, and from KLO, to the lower mission where I live, there's so much greenery around and, and a lot of like, you know, there's two sides to that. It's wonderful to look at. It's gorgeous. Our city's growing. We need land, but the agricultural land commission says hands off, can't touch it. Where do you fall within the old ALR conversation? Um, it's, there's layers to it and, and I can easily, you know, throw punches at it. Like, you know, the municipal library distribution center might be built on the most fertile land possibly in the valley. I don't know if you know where it is on Ben Volan, but pretty close to KLO, and, or sorry, KLO, and um, and pretty close to Gordon. Mm -hmm. So stuff like that, I go, that's the stuff that makes you question and go like, come on, right? That's besides that are sports fields. Besides that is a seniors complex that's owned by Interior Health um, or operated by Interior Health. And you go... 
how, how, first of all, mm-hmm. um, do I think we need to ensure we have sustainable growing <laughs> facilities to eat? Yeah I, yeah, I do. I'm just not sure. I'm, I'm just, I question, uh, I question the, and I, and I know it's today or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, because, because it's a thin veil that no one seems to be able to get around except the inner circles. Um, I just question when things get released and when they don't. And now we're in a full moratorium. Will nothing or ever happen? Um, you know, and then you get these, you know, but, but again, you brought it up, but I think Michael Brook is technically on some form of ALR land. The mm-hmm. harvest is, right? Mm-hmm. You go, well, that doesn't produce apples. It's a golf course. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and again, I, I'm, I just, I'm just suggesting that, like, I'm not sure it's, it's clean cut. Hypothetically, I'm like, I get what we would be trying to do. As a capitalist that, that, that doesn't believe the government should be playing a role in this kind of stuff, it, it kind of goes against the grain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, yeah. like everything in life, you know, governments get involved and it gets corrupt. And I, I don't know if that's where they're at today, but but how do you manage that? And then, and then you know, landowners, I mean, uh, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. It, it. it is an interesting discussion that's come up lately, especially given the Ukraine conflict where a lot of uh, basic goods for food have risen in price because that is the breadbasket apparently for the world is Ukraine. Yep. I, I would say Canada, if nothing else, uh, there's a there's probably a higher priority on on our food and our food security. So that that is in the in the eyes of the LR anyway. So, but then, but again, here, if you're, I think, if you're going to do it right, let's let's talk about what are the standards for soil have to be to something being the LR. Let's talk about what's been built around it. Okay. There's, so you're talking about soil standards. I, I'm talking about soil standards. I'm talking about ability to grow. I'm talking about where does it fall in line? Like, like I'm not, I know one piece for sure is, but if you're going up Dilworth, which has got housing on one side and a Dairy Queen on the other, and then two parsets of land that, that somebody grows weed on, I think they lease and grow weed on. Cause I think they're out like, like how, like how did we, you know what I mean? And there's certain crops that I think if the parcel of land is too small and it's too isolated, I th- you'd be hard-pressed to get any machinery on there, anything valid right. off of that land. Right. Yeah. Right. Because there would have to be a, a setback from the road in order to, so there wouldn't be any contamination. And there's a whole bunch of other factors. It, it almost sounds like we know what we're talking about. It's a complex problem. <laughs> okay. Uh, not that you're, we're going to, you know, put them into a, a particular segment, but is there any kind of thing or, or profession that you would want your child to do that, that you think it would be very interesting and, and, uh, perhaps it's something you wanted to, to do, but never got a chance to, but le, le, not that your child would ever listen to this, but just reach for it. Like, tell me exactly what you hope that child would do. I hope my children have a passion for something from a young age and never waver from it. I don't know that I would ever want to define what that is. And I'm trying to, it's a little cheesy, but I'm sincere. And I'll tell you why. My sister's a nurse. She wanted to be a maternity nurse since she was, since I can remember. I've never known her to want to be anything else. She did it. She worked in the U.S. She specialized in labor and delivery. She spent time in San Diego and Seattle and then moved home to have kids. Her husband's in the industry. And I've never known her to do anything else. I was like a sheet in the wind. You know what I mean? And, and for me, I envy people 
that know what they want to do. I always wanted to be in business, mm -hmm. you know? But listen, no one stands up in careers 10 and says, I'm going to sell insurance, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And and so for, I, I hope my kids have a passion. I hope they have success, and I don't regret where I'm at. It's, it's worked out okay. But um, if I would like anything for my children, it's for them to have a passion to do something and never waver from it. See, and, and it's funny you say the, the sheet in the wind comment because – I was uh, I was selling uh, for media in Medicine Hat, Alberta, and I ran into JP. He ran the Alamo Saloon. It's now a, an insurance office. Speaking of insurance, in Medicine Hat, I, I biked by it a couple weeks ago. Anyway, I said, JP, what do you do? Because you run the pub, and then you also have machines, and then you also have this uh, antique car collection that I've seen at the car show with, and I I think you're involved in something else. And he goes, Rick, I dabble. I dabble and, and, and he goes, and it's great because every day is different. And until that time, I never knew what a hero looked like. But JP, in my eyes, was a hero because I was thinking, man, if I could do that. But the trouble is, is, you know, you know, you try to do a whole bunch of things. Maybe you don't do anything very well. Um, master of, of nothing. And, and I think that's been part of my struggle is I, I too love people that are intensely white hot focused on one particular profession or, or venture. And they go, they go all in. And I'm like, man, I wish I had that attention span. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wish I did. I just wish I had, I wish I do from a young age. Like for me, I think I'm, and I think you're there in media. It's, it's, and that's where maybe got to give yourself some credit. I try to look and go, I actually, and I've, I've been doing the same thing again for, for 15 years, and I'm pretty passionate about it now. Obviously, I didn't know what I was getting into at the time. I was just you know, I wanting to get a business and had, and, had, and, and had gone to, to school in that regard and then, you know, got told by everybody, oh, you need to be in sales. It's like, okay, I have no idea what that means, but all right. And then and then one thing leads to another. I, I And I think it's all worked out well. But... Um, but it would have been cool to know at four years old, I want to be a firefighter or, mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean? Whatever it is. I don't, doctor, lawyer, garbage man, honestly, be passionate about it. You know, yeah. that was, you know, that was the old Martin, Martin Luther King quote was, if you're going to sweep sweeps, sweep streets, sweep streets, like, like Michelangelo painted pictures. And yeah. it's, and it's the, just the ability to say, that's what I want to do. And I'm, and I'm, and I want to be the best. And there was a guy that I went through the toll booths when they were still open and he was, uh, Hey, how are you doing today? How can, you know, and where are you off to? And I'm like, wow, chatty toll booth guy. And, and, uh, he's like, you know what? I have this beautiful view. He goes, I get to study for my, uh, university courses. He goes, I can't think of a better place I'd rather be. And I'm like, Wow, that is a guy turning lemons into lemonade. And I, and I was I actually tipped him because I was like, this is a I hate paying tolls. So you're you're rolling up there going, I hate you. And he turned that into a that that frown upside down. And it, I, it was kind of cool because he he invested in his in his place and he knew he couldn't change it. And he made it work for him. I have to do this for the four people that are get the joke. Was his name Tollbooth Willie? Did you ever <laughs> be an Adam Sandler fan? Like four people are driving off the road right now. But just Google Tollbooth Willie. Are we are we heading down a path of is it gonna flood every year? And from an insurance standpoint, here's the other thing. If your house sits at or near the floodplain and it and and every year it floods. I mean, how do you insure that? Like how do do they pay a different 
I, I don't know, and I'm not asking for your expert opinion, even though you're an insurance expert, but <laughs> at some point you got to go, hey, <laughs> you know, um, wow, uh, flooded again this year. Send me pictures or just use the ones from the last four or five years. Like when, when is it, when is too much, too much? Yeah. I mean, the, the good news about this whole topic is I'm not an expert. I don't have a license on that side of the business. Thank goodness. Yeah. Okay. So I can, I can speak freely as an amateur. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, based on my location of Lake, which, which I wouldn't say is overly close in my eyes, I don't have Lake for property, but I'm, and I'm, I don't have overland flood insurance. And I think actually most people would be amazed at the fact that they don't have overland flood insurance. Um, so, okay. Take the insurance part out of it. Cause I was thinking about this this morning as I was driving into work and hearing that everything's flooding. The, uh, it's again. I just the minute you go here, it's like oh, climate change denier. No, it's not true. I'm not. I'm not. I just don't think it's as the way people say it is. The climate is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. It's why mountains exist. Okay, glaciers formed. Like I remember the only one that took geography eleven. Like they form these valleys and then they pull back. That's that's the earth. It's living and breathing and moves. Floodplains exist. This was the irony of the floods last year in in. Chilliwack and, and Abbotsford is. Oh, yeah. That's a floodplain. Below sea level. Correct. Yeah. Ha- actually designed to have six feet of water on it. We designed it not to, then ignored the dikes we put in for 100 years and went, can you believe these things failed? Like, oh, I'm, I'm, am I the only one? And so, again, when people say, like, can you believe it? Mission Creek's banks are flooding. It's a river. It's what it's designed to do. If you actually look at the natural landscape around a rivers, there are many floodplains that happen when rivers overflow. It's not because I drove my car to work today. And and again, this is the, no, but I can't, man. This is the problem. That's a direct correlation. Is is news media gets out there and is like. No one drive to work today. The rivers are flooding. We've done this. And you're like, I can't do this anymore. I can't live in the world of stupid. Rivers overflow. They're designed to overflow. Like that's basic geography. I have no interest in it. And I know that. Well, and if you ever go and get a chance to sit and and see the amount of snowpack in the mountains and you go, okay, that's going to go somewhere in the spring. And you think of the absolute volume as it goes down into these these tiny tiny streams and rivers and they go boom and and there's a period of time where they go boom and i i gotta say when when you're up there and you see the amount of snow still up there and you're like that's going down to that lake and 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 again that lake the the same deal our downtown is built on arguably a floodplain like it bat it's sand the reason the reason that we have to build structure we have to be downtown is because that is hundreds of thousands of years of silt buildup from water moving and then we get today and go can you believe this and i just i'm like i'm miffed that we that we do this and then say well it's because we all drive cars and i'm like it's not like does that have a a a, a a part of climate change? Does emissions have a part of climate change? Yes. To what degree, I think is still very debatable. Do I think we should be working towards reducing our emissions? You bet. Is it directly affecting Mission Creek flooded? Absolutely not. And and again, you can go on. This is, you know, I can't believe I we've never had fires. I don't remember having fires when I was a kid. Well, no, I know that because this is not a generational thing. They 
This is the way forests clean themselves every thousand years. We happen to be in that cycle in an area that's hot and semi-arid. Like, I would like to take a, a forestry guy on the old big show here and and just talk about, isn't it a pine cone or something that they need excess heat in order to pop the seed to grow and everything else? Like, there's, there's certain parts of, and there's sap that grows in a cyclical nature on a tree. And again, people are listening that know about such things go, it's blanket, blanket tree. But the sap, it, it actually exudes this, this sap and it becomes flammable based on the fact that like the, the, the nature, the nature's uh, actually has a cycle to it and actually has a, a thought process, which is, you know, we need to erase a lot of the uh, the underbrush needs light and the foliage gets, the canopy gets too too much. So we need to burn it away. Like there, there's different things that nature wants us to do Honestly, or, you, or stay away from. If you want to, you, we talked about ego earlier. You want to talk about ego. It's environmentalists that think that we're actually in control. And that's the part to me that I find hilarious is like, if mother nature had a personality, she must be laughing. Like, look at these idiots think they're, <laughs> look at these idiots think that they're actually making a difference. Watch this, volcano explodes. Like, it's just, it's so out there to think. Like, like to be sincere, that where we are in climate is, is it's, it's so far from where we need to be because it's being driven by extreme groups of people that are being funded by special interest groups. So you have people like David Suzuki out there being funded by oil companies to try and stop the output of oil in Canada. That's that's not a conspiracy theory. You can follow that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, follow the paper trail. It's, yep. it's very simplistic. And and I, and again, but but you know, the CBC says that David Suzuki is everything and and all things about environment. Yeah. No, he's not. No. And and you know, we. I mean, obviously, <laughs> open up the old rabbit hole here, but um, we there is a lot of discussion around, uh, like Michael Moore when he did that documentary about Planet of Humans. And he kind of exposed the amount of money behind the green movement. It, uh, the, you know, Michael Moore. Okay, well, he's going to actually target any emissions issues and everything else. He really did a number, and that's why it's really tough to find that that film anywhere on the internet. Mm -hmm. So there's powerful forces that work on both sides. Question for you: How do you get in the way of your own success? You think? With my ego. <laughs> Like the underlying, I like how we have these themes. Um, yeah, I, I've, I, you know, I try. I as I get older, I think I get in my way less and less, right? Mm -hmm. But I think well, you have a child, yeah, and you have a wife, yep, that makes sense. So I'm third place right off the bat, yeah. and three dogs. So I'm actually in seventh, sixth place. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I mean, um, I think that is that. Typically, I typically that's the only people that get in my own way is myself. To be honest with mm -hmm. you. Um, but self-doubt, I think, is the other stuff that comes into it. Can I do that? Can I Can I not do it? Um, uh, you know, you know, you can go on all these cl cliches, but, you know, life is just a series of failures, yeah. uh, I think, is, is the reality that I came to. And, and um, you know, I made a decision when I launched my last company four years ago that I wasn't going to get to the age of 60 and look back and say, you know, I could have done that. I was like, I'm going to either do it and fail or do it and succeed or somewhere in between, but I'm going to at least do it. Mm -hmm. And and I've had some old sleepless nights and employ, you know, a lot of people and have to pay rent and have to do a bunch of stuff and agreements and contracts. And I made mistakes. Um, but I think um, you've just got to jump for me. 
the lesson I've learned as as I get older is I just gotta I just gotta start doing it. I you gotta I gotta do it. Otherwise, my head gets gets in the way, and that's self doubt, and that's you going a bunch of other stuff. It's interesting because my when I when I took on this position, my son asked me, he goes, "Don't you have enough going on there, pops?" And uh, <laughs> And he has a point. But the other thing, too, is he's 18. My daughter is 13. Well-adjusted kids. Uh, I, you know, I, I really dive into moments when I went over a, a bowl of cereal or something. I can look them in the eye and say, hey, what are you looking forward to? And, and really dive in. But the other thing, too, that I, I said to my son was I said, I, I'm doing it because I want to and because I know I can. Well, and that might be up for discussion as well. But the other part is I, I really do feel like. Uh, if you don't, the regret is is going to gnaw at me. Like, could I could I teach at a secondary uh, schooling education like the college? I, I did that. And I'm proud I did. Can I do various things? And and unless you actually dive in and go, man, and the self doubt, am I an imposter? Is this for real? Like all that stuff comes gnawing at oh, you. Huge. And but at the end of the day, I find when I go to bed at 10 or 11 and I get up at 5 or 5.30, I actually kind of look forward to the day. I'm like, there's going to be a ton of crap thrown my way, but you know what? I, I'm actually up and, and, and still groggy, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to face it as best I can. So, I would totally agree with you on that. Yeah. We, we both have to go uh, and you, you probably have a meeting or, or, you know, maybe, do you have a show? Do you have a Netflix show that you watch or? Lincoln Lawyer was the last one. Lincoln what? Lincoln Lawyer. Not oh, okay. The, not, not the Matthew McConaughey movie, which is good for the record. Okay. There is a series, only season one on Netflix, The Lincoln Lawyer. It's good. The the one that uh, I just dove into last night was actually the the one, it, man, it's, I want to say Showtime, but it's it's a story about how Magic Johnson and uh, Dr. Jerry Buss uh, kind of created the the Showtime and yeah. and and the Lakers franchise, yeah. and the amount of stuff. Speaking on when I asked you about your success, he threw together this deal that was so preposterous to buy the Lakers, like it was a land deal, cash deal. He's borrowing from his ex wife, like it was just he was pulling all these strings, and he didn't even know if he could pull it off. But he had this calmness yeah. about him, like this will happen. And you know what? Nobody wanted to get Magic Johnson. Like they all wanted Larry Bird. Yep. And and there was of course a racial uh, play back there too. But I was just blown away with how crazy that guy was to buy like. I mean, obviously now we have perspective on Wells. Great decision. Well, he didn't know that back then, and I don't think anybody else did either. No. He so phenomenal. Watch that show, uh, and we'll get you back on the big show. Oh, the, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Glad to come back. Yeah. No, so. you've. Uh, you probably uh, offended a whole bunch of people, which is uh, part of the show. Yeah, that's my job. 